Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast Post Game Edition. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Bitterman and columnist Barry Trammell. The Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. We're here uh, in route from Stillwater back to uh, the greater Oklahoma City metro area after Oklahoma's 34-16 win on Saturday night in Bedlam uh, that uh, kept alive Oklahoma's college football playoff hopes at least for another week. And uh, Abby, we got to start off with the defense tonight. Overall, a fantastic performance for from Alex Grinch's group. I mean, yeah, the defense has really honestly been playing great these past three games. Um, been coming up big, getting those turnovers that Alex Grinch and company have been talking about all season long, especially today, Parnell Motley with uh, the, well, yesterday now, but that's neither here nor there, um, with the forced fumble and then the interception almost two interceptions I mean really just a and and then Brendan Radley Hiles with a career high 10 tackles just really a lot to be happy about with the way the Sooners defense performed and uh, Barry the job that they did slowing down Chuba Hubbard Chuba still had 104 yards but uh, it took him a lot of carries to get there and and no just real big breakaway runs. He had, the, I think, a 22-yarder was the, the longest that he had on the day. I, I thought Oklahoma right in the middle. Brendan Radley House was a big part of that. Uh, those linebackers as well helped really slow down Chuba Hubbard from the start. Yeah, and they, uh, Mike Gundy after the game said that the Sooner safeties were playing up. Uh, what he didn't really say was that the Cowboys were sort of powerless to push them back, um, they didn't have Spencer Sanders, and they've been now two straight games. They've been a little bit uh, slow to throw deep, although they ended up throwing four or five deep balls. But they don't have Tylen Wallace, so it was hard for OSU to make OU pay for playing up. And you know, if if, if you don't make them pay for playing up, they're going to stay up and make it tough on Chuba Hubbard, and that's what we saw. Um, Bradley Hiles had an excellent game. Um, the, uh, as you mentioned, the linebackers were really good. And the D-line really, uh, I thought, uh, was was big time. And, and, against a pretty solid OSU offensive line. So it was a very good defensive performance. One touchdown for OSU tonight. Last 10 quarters, the Cowboys – I'm sorry, the last 10 quarters, the Sooner defense has given up three offensive touchdowns. So – you know that's the kind of defense they used to play in the SEC. So you've got to you've got to like what you're seeing out of this OU defense. Yeah, no doubt about it. They 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 got after things on on really all levels. But uh, Barry, you mentioned Parnell Motley, or both both of y'all. Mentioned Actually, that. I did not mention. You, you didn't mention. <laughs> Parnell I mentioned Motley. Parnell Motley. Abby mentioned Parnell Motley. Sorry, no it's credit. late and it's I'm in the back seat, so it's a little harder for me to hear back here. But. Uh, Barry, two years ago we were here and, and Motley gets benched in the stadium and uh, loses his starting job. Tonight he was just fantastic, had uh, the, the forced fumble and fumble recovery on his own on a, a play where Radley Hiles had, uh, 
had the runner uh, wrapped up, and, and Motley jumps in there as the, the, the second guy and starts stripping at the ball. An interception that uh, that uh, wasn't, it was called an interception on the field. The replay looked awfully close, but they wound up turning it over and uh, keeping Oklahoma State with the ball. But then he finished off with an interception late. Uh, probably Parnell Motley's best game of his career. He played very well. Um, it would have been nice if he had got that third intercept, that or that second quarter interception. Probably good for America and, frankly, everybody at the stadium tonight that he didn't because the game stayed pretty interesting, good chunk of the game. If he gets that pick, it probably is a route early and – you know, it, it would have been a uh, not quite as uh, entertaining of an experience. But he did play very well. Uh, Dylan Stoner was not much of a factor in this game. He had become OSU's big play man. So, you know, it was great for Motley to, to make that uh, play, especially, you know, it's been a wild three or four weeks for Motley. He, he uh, you know, gets kicked out of that K-State game, which really hurt the Sooners. Then he makes the, the two-point uh, conversion interception against Iowa State to stave the game. So he's he's really you know playing outstanding football down the stretch of his career. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned two years ago what happened, and he talked about that earlier in the week um, ahead of the game and said that he didn't like the way that he played um, two years ago, obviously, and that he wanted to you know go into Stillwater and basically uh, have a much better performance than he had then and kind of turn things around and play his last bedlam a lot differently than he played the last one in Stillwater. So, And I think he did exactly that. Yeah, Barry mentioned Dylan Stoner, who had been Oklahoma State's big play guy in, in recent weeks in the passing game. Did have a 42-yard catch, but then had seven other catches for a combined 19 yards uh, outside of the 42-yarder. Finished with eight, eight catches. Uh, for for 61 yards, but it was tough sledding for him after that uh, big, long 42-yarder. Yeah, and Mike Gundy said it best. I mean, without, you know, they they got three big-time playmakers on this team, but they were without two of them tonight. And his, Spencer Sanders has made a lot of mistakes, committed a lot of turnovers, but he's also a big play guy. And Drew Brown really is not. So... You know, if the Sooners could just contain Chuba Hubbard, this was going to be a, a pretty dominant game. And the Sooners did that, and then they protected the ball. And that was really OSU's only ticket to victory tonight is if Jalen Hurts or whoever turned the ball over. And they didn't do it. The offense played very clean. So I'm not sure if they had uh, – I'm not sure they had an offensive penalty until the fourth quarter. So um, – I thought it was a solid, rock-solid game by the offense and a rock-solid game by the defense. Here's what OU did tonight. They went on the road to a team that's ranked 21st in the country, and they won by 18 points, and they weren't going away. So that's very, very good. That's that's exactly what you wanted to do. Uh, you know, it's To me, it's the perfect game for the college football playoff committee. If you come up here and beat them, 56 to 7, the committee says, well, that Oklahoma State must not be very good. Or if you beat them 31 30, the committee says, oh, they, heck, they squeak by again. Fourth straight, eat, tight game. But you just come up here in a workman like 34 16, the committee's probably going to say, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll talk more about the offense and the uh, the college football playoff ramifications of this game in the the next couple segments. But very, and this ties into the offense a little bit, but it's mainly about Oklahoma State's offense. Could you imagine that Drew Brown would have outthrown out uh, you know outgained uh, Jalen Hurts in the passing game, and Oklahoma would win by uh, by the margin that it did? Well. But two things. One is that's sort of who the Sooners are becoming, more of a run team than a passing team. But on the other end, Drew Brown did not have a big game. 204 yards on 32 passes. Yeah, 207 yards. 207 yards. Uh, Chuba had 104 yards rushing. Here's the here's what happened with OSU. They went over the 200-yard passing mark on the final drive of the game, and Chuba went over the 100-yard rushing mark on the final drive of the game. That shows you the dominance of this OU defense tonight. I thought they played very well, and they they knew what they were dealing with. Uh, Drew Brown is not a – he's not going to go 40 yards, but he's fairly mobile, and yet Sooners really kept him in the pocket. Uh, when he scrambled, he didn't have many much place to go. Uh, they forced him to get rid of the ball quickly. I thought it was just a really good, good performance – um, by the uh, by, the OU defense and and the pass coverage was pretty good. I didn't know we're not not a lot of Cowboys running free. Yeah, and uh, Abby, when we were talking about defensive players earlier who had a big impact in this game, we mentioned a lot of the the same guys that we talk about week in and week out that have to perform well for Oklahoma to perform well defensively. But a name that we never bring up really in those kind of conversations who played a big role tonight was a freshman outside linebacker, uh, David Agwegbu, who had, uh, what was it, five tackles tonight, two for loss. Uh, uh, what, uh, I think he had a, a pass breakup too. The best game of his young career, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. I think that when, you know, you have a lot of the the bigger name guys who, who people are used to seeing, you know, make those big plays, a, uh, a game like that can kind of, can kind of go unnoticed but he really did have um a big game for OU tonight sorry I'm trying to make sure that I go the right way um yeah we do not want to wind up in Hennessy no uh, or Wichita I I would like to go back towards Oklahoma City no but uh yeah I think it's definitely encouraging if you're if you're OU to see a young guy like that have uh such a strong performance in in like a bigger game and as part of a more dominant offense i think that that is really encouraging to see yeah no doubt about it we're going to take a quick break there we're going to be back on the other side of the break to talk some oklahoma defense college football playoff ramifications and a little bit more this is the sooners extra podcast presented by zaxby's Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Once again, I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here with Abby Betterman and Barry Trammell. And, uh, Abby, we touched on it just a bit there at the end of the the first segment. Oklahoma's offense and the way it looked tonight, the way it's looked really these last couple weeks, much more ground-oriented than the one we saw you know, just a few weeks ago. Lincoln Riley has leaned heavily on the running game, and Kennedy Brooks has come up big. Oh, yeah. Kennedy Brooks had 
something like can can you read the exact stats I want to get this wrong but I think it was like 22 carries and 166 yards or maybe that was just my last memory of it Uh, 22 carries 160 yards oh okay well yeah no just they oh since the Kansas State game which I think really was just an anomaly OU has begun to lean more and more on its running backs and you know also the running of Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley jokingly said that that was because we had kept asking him about it but uh no I think that uh yeah oh you especially there was a there was a drive that got brought up a lot tonight I think it was 11 plays and nine of them were runs and so oh you tonight definitely you know has been in in recent years it's been a lot more about the passing game but right now OU seems to be pretty ground oriented it's a different look than than the OU of even last year. Yeah, a couple things tonight. One is, and I assume, I don't know if it's apparent on television, but the wind was crazy tonight. It was. It was a swirling wind. You know, Boone Pickens Stadium is a crosswind stadium. It's, it runs east-west. So the wind, uh, generally, no late November, prevailing out of the north, but it swirls in the stadium. And we saw, we sat right on the end line and that's where uh, OSU's Danny Amendola kicked field goal. I think it was 43-yard, if I remember right. And it was like he just kicked it up against a brick wall. And yeah, the, that, it was incredible. Oh, yeah. The wind yeah. just knocked it straight down. He barely got it over the goal post. And this is a guy that's a very good kicker with a strong yeah, it's a leg. Yeah, 43-yarder. Yeah. So, the, and, and after the game, Lincoln Riley said, hey, it was difficult passing because he said – it's one thing to pass with a strong wind, but most winds are fairly predictable. The, the, the wind's just blowing. He said this one was just doing crazy things. It was like almost, he didn't say this, but it's sort of like reading putts on a green. So he said it, was, it, it wasn't a great night for passing. So that's one reason why the Sooners maybe ran it a little bit more. Um, Another thing about the run game, though, Mike Gundy said this. He said, hey, Kenny D. Brooks ran fine. But he said he ran through some big holes. And um, he's he said they really opened up some holes. And I think that offensive line had one of its better games tonight. Yeah, because I think. Oh, there sorry. Were, there were some really uh, – some running lanes that were, were quite massive. Yeah, they did. I think uh, Marcus Hayes had a fantastic game. Adrian Ely – those guys, but it seems like ever since R.J. Proctor came back into the lineup when they uh, put Proctor in for Eric Swenson a couple weeks ago, really, uh, what was it, right around halftime of the Baylor game, uh, I, I think is when they made that move, that this offense has really clicked along uh, up front especially, and they've been really been able to run the ball in a way that they hadn't been able to to that point. We know Creed Humphrey's been fantastic this year. But all of a sudden, this offensive line looks really, really formidable. And that's going to be something to watch moving forward. Barry, uh, Abby mentioned it there uh, earlier, that 11-play drive that was actually eight uh, carries for Oops. Kennedy Brooks there on an 11-play. Uh, let's see, where is the drive summary here? It was in the third 11 quarter. 11-play, 93-yard drive in the third quarter, yeah. 
after OSU. When, when they needed it, yeah. yeah OSU had cut it to 2016. <laughs> yeah, they cut it to four with Amendola's uh, 26-yard field goal. And then Kennedy Brooks just sort of took over the game at that point. The uh, the Sooners um, really ran it well. And Mike Gundy, you know, earlier in the week had called OU a wishbone team, which is not true. Uh, he also called them a one-man show with the Jalen Hurts. That's not true either. I mean, Gundy can sort of just talk, talk in hyperbole sometimes. I mean, C.D. Lamb's on the team, and he's saying Jalen Hurts is a one-man show. But what had happened in the past, I can get what Gundy's gist, which is this. The Sooners really relied on Jalen Hurts, and frankly, they've been a quarterback-centric offense, well, ever since, since Lincoln Riley and Baker Mayfield showed up. But tonight, they did ride somebody else more so than any game all year, and that was Kennedy Brooks. Um, so, Riley talked about it after the game. Part of it is the injury to Sermon meant that the Sooners were going with a uh, more of a, a one-man tailback show. You know, their first half of the season, you never knew who was going to be the main guy. But but Kennedy Brooks clearly is is the primary guy now, and he's doing a wonderful job with that offensive line. Yeah, Kennedy Brooks has been great. I think it's uh, over 500 yards total over the last uh, four games. Kennedy Brooks is seems to be a guy made for November. He's at another fantastic Bedlam game, had over 100 yards a year ago in, in that win. But uh, he's been at his best the last month of the season, both years really. And certainly that's been the case here over the last uh, last few games as Oklahoma's bounced back from that uh, loss in Manhattan to Kansas State. Well, what's interesting to me is we've now done one and a half segments of this podcast <laughs> and we have not mentioned the name of a person. <clears throat> well, I, yeah, I was about to bring that up. All right, bring it up. So, uh, Jalen Hurts. Well, I was actually going to... Oh, I was actually talking about Tommy McDonald, but we're, it's, oh, okay. it's, it's the same family of thinking. <laughs> yes. Well, Barry mentions Tommy McDonald. I mentioned Jalen Hurts because it's been a long time since Tommy McDonald played for the Sooners, Barry. 63 years. 63 I was not alive. years. I know everybody thinks I was, but I was not. <laughs> and we saw something that we haven't seen. Well, I've never seen. You've never seen. Abby certainly never seen. <laughs> safe to assume. Nobody's seen since Tommy McDonald played for the Sooners, and that's one guy catch a touchdown pass, run for a touchdown, and throw for a touchdown in a game. Jalen Hurts did that tonight, and uh, the throwing one wound up being the one that took him the longest. Yeah, that one didn't come until, like, the fourth quarter. It was the last touchdown. Believe. Last touchdown. Um, but it was the easiest. That's it. true. Greg I don't Willis know that he made that catch look pretty easy Although, too. Nobody was around him. Yeah, on the the Basquin throw to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was wide open. The only question was, could Basquin get it to him and could right. uh, because, catch it? Right. Because because it was a double reverse. You know, they flip it to Lamb coming around. Lamb flips it to Basquin coming back the other way, and there were Cowboys all over both of them at the same. I mean, it was yeah. never easy. But if he could get the pass off, Jalen's out there running free. Uh, made a nice catch, sort of with his back to the goal line. 
Um, but you know, to me, that was interesting. That play was interesting because that was second and goal from the four, I think. Yeah, it was at the four. On first and goal from the four in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, they run a reverse with C.D. Lamb, and Lamb gets hauled down at the three. Yeah. By A.J. Green. And I found that all interesting because we just talked about the offensive line being great, and we've talked about Kennedy Brooks being great, and we've talked about wishbone team and Jalen Hurts and runs like a linebacker and this and that. But twice when OU's inside the five-yard line, when it's not even third down yet, Lincoln Riley thinks, I better go for some trickeration to get the ball in the end zone. So one time it worked, one time it didn't. But I found that interesting. That do you think Lincoln's just messing with Baylor? Is that what he's doing? Because you'd think second and goal from the four, first and goal from the four, just run his own read and let Hertz or Brooks try to bash it in. Seems like. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you're giving future opponents something to. A little bit more to think about in those situations, especially as you do, like you said, Barry, you do the sort of a similar variation uh, on a similar in a similar situation twice in a game. You make them think a little bit. Maybe that frees you for just that split second that you need to to break off a big play when you need it, whether it's next week at the Big 12 title game or or in a bowl game or wherever. It's it's interesting to see. The way that plays out, though, because like you said, when you've got the offense running along the way it was with Kennedy Brooks running the ball the way he was with Jalen Hurts running the ball the way he does, you know, maybe it's easy to be simple, but they certainly were not simple tonight. Nick Baskin, uh, going back to that, made a, a pretty good throw under pressure to, to uh, get it to a, a wide open Jalen Hurts. But what do you think of Hurts's performance overall, uh, Abby? Uh, I mean, I thought I thought he had another good game. I don't. I think that you know because Kennedy Brooks was so active, he maybe didn't have you know as flashy of a game as OU quarterbacks have been known to have in recent years. But I think that he still he still gave a very strong performance. Held onto the ball the whole time, I believe, unless I'm mistaken. But um, so that's a positive, you know. I thought he was excellent in a lot of ways, the ball security being chief among them. But also, I thought his decision-making on a couple of things, I thought his decision-making on whether to keep or hand off to Kennedy Brooks, he seemed a lot more in tune to giving it to Brooks tonight. Yeah. And that's that's been some something people have worried about in recent weeks. He's keeping it too much, sometimes when he shouldn't, maybe. I also thought he was less prone to scramble quickly. He still scrambled some. His first touchdown was a 28-yard scramble up the middle that was big time. But I I thought he was not quick to scramble. So I – and then his passing was pristine. In that win that we talked about, he's 13 of 16 passing. Yeah. So I thought it was an excellent game by Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it really was. Against the Big 12's second-best defense. Yeah, I, I thought Hurts was, was fantastic tonight. And Barry, you talk about that t- the touchdown run uh, there early in the game. What was it, 28-yarder? Uh, 28 28-yarder. 28 um, 
the ball security there, I thought, was something that stood out. The way that he was holding the ball as he got to the end zone, you could tell that it was different from how we've seen it, especially uh, you know a couple weeks ago or last last week against TCU where he uh, sort of nonchalants it a little bit and winds up coughing it up there on a fumble that, that cost the Sooners certainly some points. And um, that's going to be something big to watch going forward if that ball security and because we know Kennedy Brooks is fantastic at holding on to the ball uh, you know he's he's he been do. fantastic at a lot of things but one thing Kennedy Brooks hasn't done is fumble he do not fumble uh, much at all so uh, if they can avoid those turnovers which they were able to tonight and force turnovers on the other side of course that's a, a big sign we're going to uh, take a break there we're going to be back talk a little bit more about Bedlam Look ahead to next week at the Big 12 title game and uh, a little bit about the college football playoff picture. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber here with Abby Betterman and Barry Trammell. And uh, we've talked about Bedlam quite a bit, offense, defense, a little bit of everything else here in the first couple segments. But let's look big picture, Abby. And this wasn't the only good result for the Sooners tonight. It sure was not. They still don't automatically make the college football playoff if they win next week, but certainly looking a whole lot more likely than it was just uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, definitely. You know, over Thanksgiving, I was having this, you know, playoff scenario conversation with my cousins, Jack and Hank, who both either went to or go to SEC schools. And they were like, do you think Oklahoma gets in over a one loss uh, Alabama? Because they didn't think that OU would in that scenario. And I said, guys, I don't think there's going to be a one loss Alabama. I think Alabama's going to lose to Auburn, and sure enough, they did. And if you're OU, that's that's a big help to your to your case, I would think. Yeah, although I I thought that uh, a bigger help might have been uh, what Wisconsin did to Minnesota. Tonight oh yeah. With with that game, because uh, Minnesota certainly, if they if they win, they make the Big Ten championship game. Play Ohio State if they're able to somehow win that one. It's going to be really hard to keep them out as a one-loss team. So, uh, Barry, about the only thing that didn't go OU's way tonight was Utah beating Colorado. But certainly there's still the the, uh, Pac-12 championship game here next Friday. So OU will know how that game goes coming into the Big 12 title game. But, uh, you know, that's going to be an interesting argument here over the next week. Uh, Oklahoma or Utah if both win next weekend and if LSU beats Georgia because if Georgia beats LSU then all of a sudden it looks like two SEC teams are going to make it yeah probably so it's uh it was a good Saturday for Oklahoma not just Alabama losing um but the Minnesota deal too now I really didn't think Minnesota was going to be a factor uh because when you think about if you watch Ohio State and you watch Minnesota, the idea that a Minnesota might beat Ohio State is sort of ludicrous. 
Right. But it's sort of like landing safely in an airplane. <laughs> you know, you you know, you you know, you're going to land safe. You know, you're going to be fine. But there's that little doubt that hey, you know what? I'm in a I'm in a uh, metal tube that's thirty thousand feet in the air. Are we sure this thing is going to land safely? So it's that kind of doubt. Uh, Wisconsin took care of that. Uh, Alabama, I think Oklahoma was going to get in over Alabama anyway. But you never know what that committee member, can that committee sit there and say no to Alabama? Don't have to worry about that anymore. It's going to come down to Georgia or Utah uh, in place of the Sooners if they beat Baylor. So... This was the kind of victory that will really help the Sooners. Uh, Utah does not have much over Oklahoma in terms of resume. The Sooners' schedule is better. The Sooners have beaten more good teams, more quality wins. But the Sooners have squeaked by the three straight games we've talked about. Iowa State, Baylor, TCU. Utah has been dominant. They've been whacking teams. Well, tonight, OU went out and whacked somebody who was better than anybody Utah's beaten, and they did it on the road. So I think there's a chance. I don't know that it's for sure, but I think there's a chance that Tuesday night we're going to be told that Oklahoma's passed Utah in the ranking. And if that happens, then get out the Cupid dolls because – OU's going to play a higher-ranked team in the championship game than Utah's playing, and it bodes very well for the Sooners. Get, get out the what? The QP dolls. It's an old It's an old term. Okay. <laughs> Dick Enberg used to say it when he's calling the NCAA tournament, and the game was over. Uh, get out the QP dolls. I don't even know what it means outside of Dick Enberg. I love Dick Enberg. <laughs> Learn something new. Stick with me. You'll be learning a lot of stuff, Abbey Road. Barry aims to teach, but uh, no, I I think he's right. I think the respect that the committee showed last week to Baylor, Barry, you've written a lot about the the way the committee sort of brushed off Baylor because of its non-conference schedule. But last week we saw a little bit of a correction in that. You wouldn't think there would be much backtrack on that now, especially with Minnesota losing. Baylor should jump up at least a spot, and then all of a sudden – like you said, there there becomes less avenues. Certainly, if Oklahoma is ahead of Utah on Tuesday night when they announce that uh, those rankings, there's less avenues for the Sooners not to wind up in the top four uh, than we would have thought just uh, just really a week ago. And LSU, in case anybody hasn't been noticing, doesn't seem likely to lose to Georgia. I mean. That LSU bunch is a machine. They are playing fantastic. So Georgia is more pedestrian. Georgia is still playing old-fashioned SEC football. I like LSU to beat Georgia. So it's looking better and better for Oklahoma. Their chances at the playoff are much better than they were just a week or two ago. So, you know, the Sooners have made it, uh, what now, four of the la- uh, three of the last four years. They could make it four and five. They could make it four and five. I like how the uh, ACC is kind of such a non-factor that everyone just leaves Clemson alone and 
They don't even get brought up in these scenario conversations. Well, I mean, they got to buy. Field. They got to buy into the playoff. Yeah, Clemson's playing Virginia. I don't think Virginia's beating Clemson. I mean, um, I don't either, but I, I just still, think it's funny how, like, the ACC is – Clemson is that good, but the ACC is not thought you know, of that highly. I still am not 100% sure how good Clemson is. I mean, I, I think they're really good. I think they're, you know, right there in the neighborhood of Ohio State and LSU. With their schedule, though, it's hard to hard to say. But they've been doing what a really good team should do, and they they've had that one close call to North Carolina, which I know obviously uh, shades a lot of people's opinion. But I just don't have a real good feel for that Clemson team there, Barry. Um, I don't either, and Clemson doesn't either. When they haven't played anybody, they haven't played. They haven't even played the best teams. In the ACC. Yeah. They didn't play Virginia. They didn't play Virginia Tech. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to people that want to tell me how good Clemson is. How do you know? They beat Texas A&M, what was it, 24 to 10 or something. Yeah. A&M put up a good fight against, against LSU tonight. And then the second minute of the game happened. <laughs> what was it, fifty-one to seven? I think final or forty-eight uh, seven or something. Something to that effect. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was a, so blowout. Clemson is untested. So maybe uh, we know where they got good players. We know they got a great operation. But they're not tested like Ohio State's tested. They're not tested like LSU's tested. They're not even tested like OU's tested. They're about like Utah's. What they're about like. Yeah. That's about what they've played is Utah's schedule. LSU tonight, by the way, a 50-7 to winner over Texas A&M. 50-7. I think wow. that was the score of a TCU-Texas game a couple of years ago. It's one-sided ball right there. Yeah, it was 31 to nothing. Tigers at halftime of that game. Joe Burrow, yet another monster game. Did you see what Joe Burrow wore tonight? No. No. What do he wear? He wore his name on his back of his jersey. B U R R E A U X. Oh wow! Oh. <laughs> he's trying playing to, to the crowd. He's playing to the crowd. It's a good fall college football season. OU's in the playoff race with the Alabama quarterback. Georgia's. I'm sorry. Ohio State's in the playoff race with the uh, Georgia quarterback. Uh, LSU's in the playoff race with an Ohio State quarterback, so it's a it's a funky uh, it's a funky deal. You love to a see a lot it. of uh, it, it's it's like the Holy Roman Empire. A lot of uh, a lot of inter intermarrying that has made the uh, the d- dynasties sort of uh, coalesced all together. Yeah, but Barry, let's touch on uh, well, Abby. Let's let's start with you there. Okay, touch on the Big Twelve title game. Next week against Baylor, we saw this game a couple weeks ago. We sure did. Baylor gets out to the massive lead, and then Oklahoma comes back, best comeback in Oklahoma history. What should Oklahoma be most concerned about, and what should they be most encouraged about going into next week in Arlington? Well, I think what they should be most encouraged about, I feel like, is easy. The adjustments they were able to make, the fact that they were able to figure – Baylor out in the end and the fact that you know they were able to make like you said the biggest comeback in OU history you got to believe that that 
instill some confidence knowing that you can do something about something like that. What they should be concerned about? Mm, probably, I mean, well, Baylor is coming off a game against, what was the final score of that game? I think it was 61-6. to six. I believe that's correct. Against yeah. Kansas. Yeah, a, ga- a, a game against Kansas that they basically could just walk through. Um, and... Yeah, 61 you know, to 6. And for the first half of that game, Baylor really had their number. So that I would be concerned that, you know, Baylor was able to adjust to their adjustments and, you know, re recapture what they did in the first half of that game. Um, but I don't know, I think that I think that OU's comeback probably gives them a lot of confidence going into the game. What about you, Barry? I think what I if I'm a if I'm a sooner, I like the fact that I know that Baylor hurt me. The Baylor offense hurt me, really only with Charlie Brewer running around. Right. And as soon as they put the lid on that, Baylor didn't do anything on off- offensively. So I like the fact that we sort of figured out how to keep Baylor controlled. The concerning part is that the OU offense for the last, now what, two and a half games has been the old cloud of dust type offense. They're running the ball extensively. That sort of began at halftime in Waco. So Baylor will be ready for that. So I think I think Lincoln Riley's going to have to counter. Um I think you might have to see a little bit more wide open football. The Sooners might have to resort to the norm of earlier in the season, trying to get Charleston Rambo, trying to get Lee Morris, trying to get Jaden Hazelwood. I mean, think about it. Wasn't that long ago that the Sooners were throwing it all around to Bridges and Hazelwood and Theo Weiss, uh, much less the veterans. Yeah. But now, you know, they barely throw the ball even to C.D. Lamb. I think you're going to have to see the Sooners open it up more because I think Baylor has said, hey, we're not letting you just – we're not going back to 1970s football and let you just control the game and control the clock and control the line of scrimmage. So I think you're going to see Jalen Hurts have to throw the ball more than what we've seen these last two and a half games. Yeah, now the good thing is next week the win's not going to be a factor. There at Jerry World, we're indoors – there but yeah I think they're gonna have to push the ball down the field a little bit more I think you're gonna need to see CD Lamb be more involved he doesn't have to be the uh, you know the game breaker necessarily that he's been for a lot of the year but at least to have that deep threat from him changes the way teams have to defend Oklahoma and especially when you've got a front seven like Baylor's is that uh, that can certainly play a big factor there but we'll see what happens then 11 a.m next saturday uh down at jerry world oklahoma and baylor uh should be a fun one it's uh yet another it's the what this is the third year of the big 12 title game right barry that's right and ou's been there every year and they've had a different opponent now every year tcu texas now baylor that means next year texas tech oklahoma for the big 12 title you heard uh, it, it here Texas first. Tech, it could be Bedlam. I think this Oklahoma State team has a lot of players returning that should be interesting. So uh, heck, it could be it. 
with the way that Baylor's turned it around, it could be Kansas next year uh, for all we know. Slow down. Slow down, sister. I don't know about all that, but. Hot uh, take. <laughs> Abby calls Kansas to the Big 12 title game next year. But we're going to wrap it up there. We'll be back uh, here in a couple days with another edition of the Sooners Extra Podcast. Once again, as always, the Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere.